welcome back to the Deep Six Wrestling Podcast. It is February 16th. It's Wednesday. You know what that means. We're back with AEW Dynamite coverage here at the Deep Six Wrestling Podcast. I'm Pat. Normally, I co-host this show with Joey, but he is not here this week. And it will be a mostly solo show for me, but I do have a special guest with me. He was my partner in attending AEW in Atlantic City last week. He is one half of Ryan and Angelo's Impact Power Hour. He is Angelo. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pat. Hi. Welcome welcome to our AEW podcast. appreciate you at least joining me for the beginning of the show tonight. Um, I, of course. I, I can't do... leave you totally hanging. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I do appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. To build off of, you did a special podcast the other day for, you know, the news about Cody and Brandy. But I want to build off of, because we you just said we were at the Atlantic City show, and you and Joey and I all want to see it again in Atlantic City. The venue, Convention Center, is really good, and we just thought in the summer that place would be a, a total sellout because the casinos will actually be packed, all the hotel rooms will be busy. It'll be a great place to have an AEW show again when everyone's actually there in Atlantic City. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we didn't do a podcast last week because we were at the show, but uh, so this is actually the first time we're really getting to talk about it. But oh yeah, uh, it was uh, again uh, you and me. We both did, we've been to the Philly show at the Leacora Center, so we've seen AEW at the Leacora Center. Uh, I saw AEW at the Prudential Center, and I saw them at Arthur Ashe last fall. Uh, out of all the venues, I uh, again Arthur Ashe is special just because it was an AEW show with like twenty thousand yeah. people. But yeah, like, that's always gonna the, be nice. Yeah, the boardwalk hall was just like it was. It was convenient, and I thought the venue was really good. It didn't like. Uh, I was shocked by how good our seats were. I was expecting to be up higher, and we had fantastic seats. Yeah, um, no, it was a good view all around. Yeah, so I am. I'm hopeful that they that they stick to their word and they come back there because again, a, a summer show there could easily be sold out, and I feel like it could be a ton of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So that was our. That's our. I, I, it was cool to see uh, Keith Lee debut. I was, you know, I was very happy to see Jay White. Yeah, um, I was. I, I was very him. surprised, like not following WWE too, you know, uh, vigorously the past couple of years. Like, see such a big pop for Keith Lee because, like, I'm familiar with him, but wasn't too familiar. Yeah, but, I feel like it's yeah, a, a big testament. Yeah, it's a testament yeah, to yeah. like his 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 drawing power, despite you know the Bearcat stuff. Um, yeah. So, which is really cool. To yeah, see. absolutely. Um, but yeah, so again, we, we were very high on last week's show. Um, the, especially, I think we all really enjoyed the CM Punk, John Moxley versus, uh, FTR match. So, um, oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, the other, one of the but other reasons Angela's joining me on the podcast yes. is, uh, you're here to talk to me about the big news, the big news, Cody Rhodes, you, uh, you offered to come join me. And so. Here you are. So what would you like to, to talk about in regards to Cody and Brandy, I guess? Yeah. So as you said, and as I said before, uh, you did that podcast. But no one was able to join you about the news of Cody no. and Brandy. So I'm not here to bring the news because Pat, you already did that. You gave some explanations and some quick tweets from some popular people about it. But I kind of wanted to give a, a spin theory on it. And maybe it's because I watched Dark Side of the Ring <laughs> the other week with Brian Pillman. But you know, maybe Cody has this idea that he understands he's he's chasing the bag right now. He wants he wants the big bucks. He he can go to WWE. He knows in his head already that they're just not going to use him right, and he doesn't care about that. And 
you know, a year or two years out of it, or you know, they'll sign them to a big contract. They'll release them halfway through because that's what they've been doing with pretty much all the talent these days. And then he'll come back, and then he'll become the biggest heel ever because he sold out and he can admit it. And then he can go back for the AEW World Title since he didn't, uh, you know, he officially claimed that he couldn't do that anymore. I think he's trying to do something bigger than he could with AEW. And it makes sense, obviously, because there's a lot of big stars there right now. So he's going out in the market to try to make himself even bigger or trying to prove his point that he is a big name. And then he's going to go back. What do you think of that? That's uh, definitely an interesting uh, take for certain. Um, I feel like that is a more likely situation than the people who believe that this is all a work and that Cody's not actually leaving. Um, and to be fair, Cody has been like an, a very interesting character, uh, for quite some time where he's been really trying to like blur the lines of like what's real and what's not and heel and baby face and, and, and really storytelling as a whole. Um, so yeah, that, that's exactly what I'm like, what we've seen from him in the past couple months now, especially. And now that it's kind of come to reality they're like oh he's you know in real life he needs to figure out where he's gonna make his most money and it's you know nothing's official but one can assume it's probably where he came from originally the wwe might pay him more so the fact that this is you know possible and speaks to all those fourth wall things that he does you know what i was just watching from dark side of the ring from the brian pullman episode what he tried to do before the car accident of course but he joined wwe to raise his stock because and then he would like you know also kind of break the fourth wall with his promos and stuff so yeah similar in that sense um yeah and with like AEW like actively acknowledging wrestling outside of itself like it acknowledges like stories that happened elsewhere in NXT and WWE and New Japan um if Cody were to do that like if he were to go to WWE get all this money get whatever short push they give him um and and just be a character in WWE and then return eventually uh, it would be something that the company would acknowledge like it wouldn't be something that they shy away from like it's yeah, I, one thing i'm really interested in is how WWE is going to present Cody are they going to present him as just Cody as if he didn't like go to AEW or are they going to present him as Cody a like a turncoat on AEW it's Great question because WWE, you know, you pointed out has historically, like any other history of any other company or any other accomplishments. So yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see because what his value, Cody Rhodes now is in the American Nightmare character. It's not you know the legacy member or Rhodes Scholars member that you know we've seen in WWE before. So to bring him in, you know, are they just going to basically like? waste his time like they did with John Morrison or are they going to, you know, run with this character that he currently has and build upon that. Now, to your point, too, is, is there any really matches or matchups you really want to see out of him? And you mentioned, like, Seth Rollins, but you're kind of right. There's not there's not a lot of matches that you want to see with him. Like, you know, like Not like I'm, I want him to line up with half the WWE roster. Like, I'm, I'm not interested in that at all. Like, I don't think him going to WWE, if that were to happen, would even draw me back to the product. I don't care that much, I feel like. Yeah, <laughs> I don't no, know about like, you. My, my interest, I think, would be in seeing his initial presentation, like seeing what does he say the first night he's back. And then from there, I don't really, like, again, if he wrestles at WrestleMania, 
it's WrestleMania, so we're most likely going to watch it. So we'll see Fair. it. But like, I'm not going to be tuning in every month to, to watch Cody Rhodes wrestle like a bunch of people that he's most likely wrestled before. Like he re- he's wrestled Seth Rollins before. He's wrestled Roman Reigns before. Um, I mean, I, I guess he probably hasn't wrestled like Bobby Lashley. Yeah, because, sure, you know, but like that's that's know, not like that's not a super a exciting. Matchup. No, exactly. Um, like I guess fresh matchups for him would be like Kevin Owens. Uh, yeah, that'd be cool. I think the one match that I think that like comes to mind that I would actively want to see is like Cody Rhodes versus John Cena. But like, do they view Cody as a long term thing as like a big enough person to like put off against Cena since Cena doesn't like wrestle that much? It's like once a year, if that now. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so either. I think that's like to my original point. I think Cody's playing, play, going to play the WWE fiddle a little bit. He knows he's going to go there, make money, but he, he probably understands that he's not going to get the push he wants. So he's going to get mad. He's going to not want to be there. They're going to re- end up releasing him. And then he's going to go back with, you know, an even bigger persona now because he's like that loose cannon that he'll kind of go wherever the money takes him and he'll, you know, continue to build his character in that sense. He's kind of building a brand around him that's trying to be bigger than AEW and bigger than his former employer, WWE. That's kind of how I'm seeing what he's doing. So he's going to, that's why I think he's going to keep hopping back and forth. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all, really. Because again, it just says like a weird situation where you have Cody who like left WWE in, in like such a, a big way. And he like, made such I mean, a big point about it. I mean, he literally, exactly. made, you know, he was like, the founding father of this company because yeah, and his of whole the way, thing was, yeah. yeah, it was preaching, like wanting something different, not wanting to be held down and wanting to be able to show that like, he, like, again, he coined the term that he went from undesirable to undeniable uh, in regards exactly. to how he was treated in WWE. Um, so it just feels like such a turn to, to basically be like, walking back just to get a bigger pay like day so i i, I don't know it's, it's still just such a weird situation that we're in um but yeah no I, I don't disagree like i can totally see that being the case for him to be honest um and it would be an interesting one i would genuinely be <laughs> yeah, interested yeah. to see how like yeah, just the AW programming. So, be cool to see what he does with it. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess we shall. Oh, I think. Um, and I know. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. You, you can go. You can say. Yeah. <laughs> you can start off with that tonight's episode. And I can uh, just make my one comment about the opening segment, and I thought it had a good tie-in with everything I just talked about before. Okay. Uh, so we kick things off with Dynamite, uh, and the show opened with CM Punk just sitting in the ring. Uh, this is a, a follow-up on last week's opening segment with MJF in the Inner Circle, uh, bragging about his, his beating CM Punk in Chicago. Uh, and then obviously Punk and Moxley beat FTR, which allowed uh, him to choose the rematch here. And so this opening segment was dedicated to that. And uh, we basically just got CM Punk talking to us, uh, talking about the, the match with MJF and how MJF said that he wanted to be bigger than Piper in Portland, and bigger than Brett in Calgary, and bigger than Punk in Chicago. And uh, now he's going to – this is just a, a long promo from Punk, but the, the gist of this is that we got the, the dog collar match 
which is going to be the match between the two at Revolution and the uh, the only match prior in uh, AEW to have the dog collar stipulation was Cody Rhodes versus Brody Lee. And uh, this was the only mention we got of Cody on the broadcast from commentary, I believe, was them talking about Cody and Brody's match as the dog collar match. So that opening segment, I thought, was such an interesting, important part because but it was on everyone's mind. They brought out the dog collar match stipulation. Everyone, Cody Rhodes versus the late Brody Lee match. And Tony actually mentions it on air. So not only they've actually mentioned the name of Cody Rhodes. I think it's an important big step for AEW compared to the comp. You know, typically things behind the scenes happen. Probably had this dog collar match at the time. Continuing the run with it. Even though everyone's going to be, you know, comparing it. One person that is past one person that is not even, not in this company. And I think it's like a big plus to AEW to just, you know, continue to stick with the plan. You know, things they can't control. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. Um, and again, I thought it was interesting that we at least, you know, got like commentary acknowledging Cody Rhodes. It wasn't just like this guy's erased from history. Like, yeah, he was out of the opening video package for Dynamite, but like he's still part of the company's history. Um, compared to like, again, if this was exactly. like a WWE thing, anytime they've released somebody, they don't acknowledge it. So, um, yeah, their, I, I did think that was a no catalog, thing. their history gone. And so that's why the show, I think it just really set the tone like AEW forward. And, you know, not with Cody, you know, he's part of it. And, you know, yeah, agreed 100%. Um, and I guess, again, time will tell to see if your theory plays true and if Cody does make his return to AEW eventually. But again, I, I don't rule it out because it doesn't seem like it was like a. like a a big malicious exit from the company right and and this could totally be down the line again so as as you he's been teasing retire he he may not want to be a full-time wrestler his worth is whatever he does will it'll be very exciting for brand yeah, that's uh, that is a good point. We didn't mention it, but uh, Sports Illustrated did put out a report today saying that Brandy Rhodes is not expected to join Cody in WWE. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what exactly she does. Oh, okay. I didn't realize uh, Sports Illustrated put that out. Uh, <laughs> that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, they probably don't want her on screen. I mean, she was a XT, but uh, I guess never really you know went further along than just being a trainee. Yeah, exactly. Okay, it's just me now. Apologies for that all being so painful. Angelo's having some internet connection issues, but I think uh, despite the lag and any breaking up and us having to record multiple times, the point got across. Um, So, yeah, Cody is gone from AEW. That's known. Um, And I mentioned the Sports Illustrated report. um, And, and yeah, so it was reported that uh, by... Um, by who I believe is yeah, it was Justin Barrasso from Sports Illustrated, who reported that Brandy is not expected to join him in the WWE, and also noted 
um, that uh, the the belief is that uh, part of the reason that Cody Rhodes has decided to leave AEW is uh, due to a loss of booking power uh, with with his standing in the company uh, compared to Tony Khan, obviously, who's the head of creative, uh, with him taking control of creative from Cody, the Bucks, and Kenny at the end of 2019. Uh, we've also seen, and, and like, it's not like it's just like a dictatorship where Tony just like runs this and doesn't listen to people's ideas. But uh, we've, we've seen it now where it's, uh, many towns have explained how it works, where he is the final say, but it's a lot of uh, the wrestlers pitching their own ideas and stories to him. And we, we've seen <laughs> that work in, in some cases with some, some great storytelling. Uh, and we've also seen it with some not great storytelling. Uh, and, and two of those examples, I think, uh, really come in the form of, of Cody. Uh, and you can see a great storyline here with Cody and Malachi Black, which people genuinely loved. And it showed that Malachi was something special, and they both played their parts really, really well. Alternatively, you had Cody and the Factories feud, as well as Cody and Anthony Agogo, uh, which was an extended feud between Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall, uh, which I don't know if anybody wanted, that led into a United States versus United Kingdom feud between Cody Rhodes and Anthony Agogo with the infamous Cody Rhodes uh, promo that everybody knows and, and does not like really at all. Uh, that was even covered on Rhodes to the Top. Um, so it's it's pretty fair, I think, that, that Cody doesn't, you know, have complete, like, creative control and final say in things that happen in AEW. Um, but he's gone, so that's that. We'll see what happens. Who knows? Maybe Angela's theory will play out. Maybe Cody will be a WWE lifer for the rest of his uh, career. I guess the time will tell. Um, also worth noting, before we dive into the rest of the Dynamite, uh, it was reported by Dave Meltzer that Chris Jericho has signed a two-year contract extension with AEW. Um, or he signed it in January of 2020, and that his contract is not set to expire until January of 2024. So Chris Jericho is still in AEW for another two years. So take that as you will. If you're a Jericho fan, I'm sure you're rejoicing. If you're not... You might not have to deal with him after 2024. <laughs> All right, back to AEW. So we had the opening segment with CM Punk uh, announcing the dog collar match, and we also had him at the end of the the announcement. He called out MJF, who came out, and he just held up the, the picture that circulates now every once in a while of a young MJF at a CM Punk meet and greet and held it right into the camera and noted that uh, it is going to be MJF's worst day ever at AEW Revolution. So... Very, very good opening segment. Uh, me and Angela's rundown of this did not do it justice, but CM Punk got a very good promo to start the show, and him versus MJF continues to just be one of the best things in wrestling right now. Uh, we got a backstage thing with Jurassic Express and Christian Cage where they explained that next week there's going to be a tag team battle royale, and in two weeks there's going to be a casino battle royale with the winners facing Jurassic Express at AEW Revolution in a three-way match for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. Um, and Jungle Boy noted that he loves a three-way. Uh, <laughs> what a guy. And then uh, Christian Cage says that there's going to be some changes coming to the AEW tag team division in the coming weeks, but that Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus will stay champs. So 
Uh, we got more on this later, but um, yeah, that's the so so that's your revolution match. It's the Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus defending against two teams. Uh, so we have a, tr a three-way and the CM Punk versus MJF dog collar matches are two announced matches for AEW Revolution, and that would that would pretty much stay this way. We didn't get a a third match announced, but it seems pretty clear what another one is uh, going to most likely be. Um, we have Brian Danielson versus Lee Moriarty. Uh, this was everything I think anybody could have ever wanted to be from a TV match between these two. Um, it was just uh, Matt Seidel came out with Lee Moriarty but sent him down to the ring. Lee Moriarty also uh, comes out to his new theme from the AEW hip-hop album that's coming out. I love this theme song for him. It fits so perfectly. And he also had an MF Doom-inspired mask, which is pretty cool. Uh, we had our first celebrity cameo of the night as well as they showed Melissa Joan Hart was sitting in the front row. Um, this was just a phenomenal television match, and it was it really highlights the fact that you know uh, for for everybody who says that technical wrestling would never get over in front of like a large scale North American audience or uh, really anything of that nature, uh, this proves it wrong. This crowd went wild for this match. And Lee Moriarty isn't somebody who's, like, appearing on Dynamite regularly. He's one of their young signings who they're still building up on, like, AEW Dark. Uh, but he got this rub here against Danielson, and this was just so good. This wasn't just Danielson beating the guy up. This was these two beating the shit out of each other and trying to out-wrestle one another. And Danielson made Lee Moriarty look like a, a like so good here. And Moriarty, again, is a phenomenal talent. Uh, and genuinely probably one of the best signings AEW has made in recent memory. Um, but these two just went crazy here for their for the opening match of Dynamite. It was only 12 minutes, but it was so good. Um, if you didn't watch the show, you should absolutely go out of your way to see this match. These two killed it, uh, and it set a trend here, uh, having CM Punk open the show with his promo, uh, following it up with Danielson and Moriarty here. Uh, that this was going to be an all-time great episode of AEW Dynamite. Uh, Danielson won via ref stoppage, but this was just so, so good. Um, after the match, Danielson got on the mic and says that uh, he came out here to teach Mo uh, Lee Moriarty a thing or two about violence, and he asked the audience if he passed or failed. There's a mixed reaction, and Danielson says that's why he doesn't treat the American audience with, uh, with any respect. <laughs> So, uh, what, what a time to be alive. Um, and he said the real reason he got on the microphone was to get an answer from Moxley, and he wants it now. Moxley comes out to a big reaction, as expected, and he gets on the mic and talks about their history together and says that uh, over a decade ago, he was a lot like Lee Moriarty and the other kids that Danielson wants to mentor. Then he says that he got his own shot to take down the great American dragon, Brian Danielson, uh, he went into a whole story involving Tracy Smothers and Danielson being late to the show and then them having a match. Um, and he said Moxley came up short, but he gave, it gave him just a taste of what Danielson has to offer. And he says that when Danielson finally showed up, everyone else was scared and intimidated, but Moxley was excited as he could finally get the head of the one thing he couldn't mount on his wall before. That's the dragon. And uh, he's never been able to slay the American Dragon. And he states that as it turns out, Danielson doesn't want to fight him. He wants to join forces. And Moxley said that he heard everything that Danielson had to say the other week. But he thinks that the reason that he wants to team up is because Danielson is scared to face Moxley. Not because he thinks it's going to be awesome. But Moxley knows that he's not saying no. He's not saying yes. But he wants Danielson to know 
that he's not a young kid from a decade ago, and since it's them meeting for the first time in AEW, he doesn't stand side-by-side with nobody until he bleeds with them first. So uh, this seems to be... My indication, the indication here, I think, is that we're going to get Moxley versus Danielson in Revolution. That would make the most sense. But I'm very interested to see where this goes from afterwards. This feels like a long-term thing. This doesn't feel like a a feud to set up in this specific way to only go a few more weeks, right? Like... It just feels like this is building towards something bigger, whether it's a faction between the two of them, just a tag team, or if it's a faction led by Danielson and then Moxley has to get help. Um, regardless, I appreciated that this was done in a different way. Normally, you'd, you'd get to this point and you'd expect Moxley to just be like, no, I'm turning you down, and then they fight. Uh, but we went a different direction. Moxley came back, and he didn't deny it. And this is despite Danielson now basically being a full-blown heel. Um, and so it's worth remembering that before Moxley left for rehab, it was very clear he was going heel. Um, so it, I, it's going to be an interesting scenario to see what they actually do with the storyline. I'm very excited for the match. Danielson versus Moxley sounds like a, a wonderful matchup with the work that Moxley's put in um, since joining AW and how on fire Danielson's been since the end of last year. Um, but this was great. Great segment, and it you know subverted my expectations in a really good way. So I'll take it. After this, we got a video package for Keith Lee uh, talking about arriving in AEW and uh, qualifying for the Face of the Revolution ladder match. He says that he's coming here to make a statement and uh, that the TNT Championship is going to be his. So pretty good stuff, and it's nice to see Keith Lee uh, in a prominent position here. Uh, For for those unaware, uh, they've already updated the AEW Revolution poster. Cody Rhodes has been removed, and Keith Lee has taken his place. Um, so yeah, again, it seems like Keith's going to be a pretty prominent person in AEW. So very exciting for any Keith Lee fans, uh, myself included. Ah, excuse me. We got our next face of the revolution qualifying match, which was Wardlow versus Max Caster. Um, I don't remember the exact words here, but we got references to DeBaby, Nashville Hot Chicken, uh, the Titans being eliminated from the playoffs and Wardlow, uh, being MJF's bitch boy. Um, so yeah, <laughs> everybody loves the acclaimed. Can't hate him. Uh, this was absolutely just uh, just Wardlow being Wardlow. And this was fair. Max Caster doesn't need to be somebody who gets a lot of offense in on Wardlow. If it was Bowens, it would be different because Bowens is uh, somebody that they seem very keen on as like a singles wrestler in the future. Max Caster is just like the character. Um, but yeah, Wardlow won, and he's now in the la- uh, ladder match. So we now have Keith Lee and Wardlow, two big beefy boys for the face of the Revolution ladder match. And we could have a, th- a third on Rampage when we have Dante Martin versus uh, Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, I, I, I want to assume Dante's winning that, but you never know. Um, after this, <laughs> we went backstage, and we had Britt Baker, Mercedes Martinez, Rebel, and Jamie Hayter with Tony Schiavone. And uh, Britt tells Mercedes that there's no losing tonight, and she has to finish the job with Thunder Rosa. And afterwards, Baker will become the most powerful woman in wrestling, and then calls in her sensei. <laughs> and it's I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm assuming it's Cove, but it's Martin Cove, John Kreese from the Karate Kid, and Cobra Kai. Uh, this was mind blowing. I did not expect this. Um, Mercedes then walked off and said she's going to murder that bitch and then uh, 
uh, Martin tells Britt Baker to show no mercy. This was a wonderful celebrity cameo and payoff to a social media post from last year where Britt Baker posted a picture with him at some convention. Um, and also just, you know, nice cross promotion with, uh, with, with a Cobra guy here, basically. Um, and it worked. It made sense. And, uh, they they utilized it later, so uh, I had no issue with this, probably because I'm a big Cobra Kai fan, um, but I thought this was wonderful, and a nice, wonderful su- uh, surprise. I, 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 like, audibly shouted about this when it happened on TV. From there, we moved on to another wonderful segment where we had Hangman Adam Page coming out here uh, to talk to Tony Schiavone about how he's doing after the Texas death match last week. I have absolutely no idea how this man is standing and okay after what he went through last week, but... Here he is. Uh, before he can address the situation, Adam Cole comes out and he runs down the matches that Paige has had and, uh, and, and talks about how it was a war last week uh, before shouting at Tony to get out of the ring. And Cole mentions that he's been a world champion everywhere that he's gone, which is true. I believe he did hold the ROH World Championship and he did hold the NXT Championship. I don't know if he held PWG World Title. Um... Actually, I guess that's not true. He never held uh, held the New Japan World Championship, but uh, oh well. Um, but yeah, so he ran down this the the, the history that he has as being a, a decorated champion, and Paige asks him how it must have felt. Uh, how, uh, Paige asks Cole how it must have felt to watch his friends build a wrestling empire without him, and how it must be weird for Cole to stand in the ring with his Bullet Club buddy and look over at a title that he'll never hold. Uh, Cole then brings up that the Young Bucks and Dark Order. Uh, and how they, how the Bucks themselves haven't brought up Paige's names in months, and this is playing off of obviously the fact that uh, looking back at uh, Full Gear last year, we saw the Young Bucks play a role in Paige dethroning Kenny Omega, and then they never, you know, came to his aid ever since. They, it was just that one time, and uh, since then, you know, the Bucks and Paige haven't interacted. Which is an interesting uh, wrinkle to all of this, and I'm sure it's going to play out in an interesting manner at Revolution. Um, do I think it'll see a Bucks fa- baby face turn? It could be. It could be. But I don't know. The Bucks have been really good heels. But, you know, Cole obviously has Red Dragon. Jay White's now here. It, again, there's a lot of factors to play into this, so I really have no idea. But, uh,. There's some interesting possibilities here of a, of a potential turn for the uh, the Young Bucks. Um, but he kept running down Paige, uh, and eventually we got a little brawl here. Um, as uh, afterward, or sorry, <laughs> I'm mistaken. They shook hands, and as Adam left the ring, Adam Cole left the ring, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish made their returns uh, and jumped Adam Page from behind, and then Cole came in and attacked him. Uh, then we got Dark Order and Security coming out. Then we got our big brawl here. Uh, and this ended in, in 10. Preston Vance just taking out an army of security guards, throwing them just everywhere and then uh, out of the ring and then threw the final one out of the ring onto the rest of the security guards for uh, a nice power spot for Preston Vance. Um, but yeah, this really heated up this feud in uh, in basically no time. We had obviously Paige, uh, you know, standing showing up and and staring down with with hangman last week but now we officially are are into this we got a big feud here and this is definitely a big feud um 
Obviously, Cole took his first loss, but not a real loss, to Orange Cassidy at Beach Break in the uh, the Lights Out match. Um, and now he's going to be facing uh, Paige for the World Championship. It's going to be an interesting way to see how they book this. Um, that's for certain. Because, like, if you don't have Cole win, where does he go from there? Um, but if you have Paige lose, is it too soon? So, it, again, it raises some questions, but... Uh, I think a lot of this does end up playing into the fact of will the Young Bucks turn face and join Paige? Uh, when does Kenny Omega return? What's the deal with Bullet Club in all of this? So there's a lot of factors to play into this, um, which is one of the reasons that it's so exciting. Uh, after this, we had Chris Jericho and Jake Hager versus Santana and Ortiz. Uh, as soon as all four guys were in the ring ready to start, Eddie Kingston's music hits, and Eddie Kingston makes his return to Dynamite after being out with injury for a while. Um, and then we just got a match here, uh, and this was, this exceeded all of my expectations. <laughs> I went into this expecting this to not be great, like, at all. Uh, I haven't really enjoyed Jericho and Hager anytime they've teamed in the past, but I thought this was really good stuff. Jericho's gotten himself into really good shape. Hager's, I don't even know the last time Hager's wrestled, but Hager got into really good shape. And commentary noted that he's, uh, apparently getting ready for an MMA fight, so... I guess that makes sense as to why he hasn't been wrestling, but uh, still, I thought this exceeded all of my expectations. And, more shockingly, Santana picked up the win here for his team, pinning Chris Jericho clean after uh, after Eddie Kingston took a, a drop kick from uh, Chris Jericho, which allowed Santana to get the, the win here. Um, we also had a really a big moment. Again, th- like towards the end of this match, we got some really good stuff where uh, Santana Ortiz had a street sweeper, Jericho kicked out, um, and then Santana went for like his his cannonball in the corner, but Chris Jericho managed to like catch him in power bomb position and then transition into the lion tamer, um, which was just again a really good sequence. Um, so I thought this was one of Chris Jericho's best performances in a while. Um, and Santana and Ortiz just looked like a million bucks coming out of this, especially Santana again, getting the getting to pin Jericho, somebody who like he's pretty protected. Um, so yeah, uh, big fan of this, um, and and it was nice to see Eddie Kingston in the corner of Santana and Ortiz. Uh, and afterwards, we got a little bit of a brawl between Ortiz, or not Ortiz, Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. So I'm assuming that is also going to be a Revolution match. After this, we went backstage to the cutler cam and we had adam cole oh excuse me red dragon and the young bucks and uh adam cole and the young bucks asked where they were during the beatdown on hangman page and they said that they would be beating a dead horse if they were out there uh page says or cole says that he's going to defeat 10 at rampage uh with jay white taking out trent beretta and then uh, the Tag Team Battle Royals are brought up, and the Young Bucks and Red Dragon then argue about who's going to win uh, before the Bucks then ask Kyle where he's been, and O'Reilly says he was being a dad. He won Father of the Year Award for his newborn baby. And then the Young Bucks run down, both of them having multiple children, uh, and then they argue who has the best beautiful babies. And uh, then they go off on two separate directions, and it's Cole's left in the middle, and Cutler asks him where is he going to go, and uh, Cole tells him to shut up. And so that's that. So, again, very uh, there's a lot of stuff going on with this this whole storyline with the AEW World Championship, uh, the Elite, Bullet Club, whatever. Um, I, would, I would have to assume that you're going to get Cole and Red Dragon together. And then I guess the Bucks and 
the Bucks go for <laughs> Page's side, and then it'll be interesting to see where Omega comes in to play when he comes back, and if Jay White's still around by then. Um, there's there's so much going on, and again, that's one of the reasons to love AEW. Like it's it's never boring. Uh, there's so much going on. There's so much interactions between everybody on the roster. It's just a, a fun show to watch. Um, and again, you get l- lots of layers in your storytelling, um, which again can be a lot for some people. But if you're if you're there paying attention and, and just you know are up to date in like knowing who these people are, it's it's pretty straightforward. Um, after this, we've rolled into the notice qualification match, which uh, we had Thunder Rosa versus Mercedes Martinez here, uh, and we had Thunder Rosa in a really cool Kill Bill outfit. And this was a very fun, violent, no DQ match. Uh, immediately, they just started brawling into the audience. Uh, we had uh, Thunder Rosa sending Mercedes Martinez uh, into the barricade, and it just, like, fell over. Um, there was a, a crossbody from uh, from Thunder Rosa off the railing. There was a table uh, that didn't really break. There was a lot of chairs being used. Um Again, I thought this was really good stuff. Uh, I like both women. I think Thunder Rosa really, anytime she's given a chance to to wrestle on AEW Dynamite or Rampage, she goes out there and gives it her all. And there's a reason that she gets like some of the best reactions from the fans anytime there's a show, even if it's like on Dark Elevation. She gets a massive pop. Um, and Mercedes Martinez, again, she's been an interesting signing for basically everywhere she's gone. Uh, she did really not so much in WWE. Uh, she, she didn't, she didn't sign to Impact, but she didn't really do much in Impact, and now she's here, she still hasn't really done much, but, like, I'm assuming AEW signed her more for, like, what she can bring to the table for their, like, younger talent, and, and teaching, and bestowing, like, wisdom upon her, but, like, the two, like, matches she's had on TV were both against Thunder Rosa, and, like, it wasn't like they did a disservice to her. Um, the first one was a dominant performance from Mercedes, and she uh, ended up, like, getting DQ'd. Uh, and then this, again, was a, a violent match where, like, both girls looked very strong. Um, and post-match, we got a show of respect after Thunder Rosa won uh, with her, uh, the Thunder Driver, onto chairs. For, um, and we had Rosa helping up Mercedes, and uh, before they could, you know, share a real moment here, the Jamie Hayter, Rebel, and Britt Baker ran out. And uh, we had Britt Baker going over to John Kreese, baby. And he says uh, to finish her uh, in regards to Thunder Rosa. And Hater and Rebel then blindside her. And uh, Britt Baker grabs a lead pipe and tells Mercedes to use it. Um, but before she can make a choice, Jamie Hater attacks Mercedes Martinez from behind. And so Mercedes and, and Thunder Rosa are laid out. So I'm assuming, uh, I'm, I'm guessing before Revolution, probably in like... I don't think it'll be next week, but maybe two weeks from now, we'll probably get uh, Jamie and Britt versus Mercedes and Thunder Rosa. And I'm assuming, I don't know, I'm assuming Mercedes or Jamie's taking the pin there. But um, yeah, uh, I was very happy to see that we got John Kreese here in the the post match angle. That was nice. Um, and again, like I said, I thought I, I really enjoyed the match that Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez had here. Um, so, no real complaints for me. And again, I, I like it. Just continued a trend on the show where pretty much everything was very, very entertaining. Uh, after this, we got our last real vignette for the night, where we got stuff from the House of Black and Malachi is reading out tarot cards, and 
Um, Brody King asks him who they're waiting for, and Malachi shows a card, and in the background behind him, there's a, uh, a figure that walks in out of focus, but if you have eyes, <laughs> you can recognize it's a white man with a very specific ginger-colored hair and facial hair, and coming off of reports from earlier on Wednesday, it seems fairly clear that this is setting up for Buddy Matthews, the former Buddy Murphy, to be making his AEW debut as another member of the House of Black. Uh, I'm very interested to see how Buddy's going to transition into this group. Um, we are, Again, for NXT fans, you knew him as like Blake and Murphy with Alexa Bliss. On main roster, we had the juggernaut of the cruiserweight division. Top tier stuff as a resident 205 live stand. Um, and then we had him as Seth Rollins' disciple, but um, he didn't really, he was just a guy with Seth Rollins. It wasn't like he was like this, his character was, I think he was trying to sleep with Rey Mysterio's daughter. Um, here, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what type of character work Buddy can do. Um, we had like Murphy release some really cool videos um, of like breaking out of prison. Um, after his release. Um, so I'm hopeful that he uh, fits in well here because I'm a big Buddy Murphy fan. He feels like a guy who would be really good uh, either in the TNT title division or going for tag team gold with... No, nah, I feel like Malachi and Brody make sense as the tag team. Going for the world title, uh, I, the one match that I really want to see is Kenny Omega versus uh, Buddy Matthews. Like, I, I really want that so badly. So hopefully... Hopefully, when Kenny's cleared, uh, we get that match. But uh, exciting new signing for AEW. Uh, so we got a rundown for Rampage, which this week is on. Uh, it's Friday at 7 instead of Friday at 10. Uh, so we have Adam Cole versus 10 of the Dark Order. Dante Martin versus Powerhouse Hobbs in a Face the Revolution qualifying match. Uh, Serena Deeb's 5-Minute Rookie Challenge. And Jay White versus Trent Beretta. And we also got a... Uh, taped promo from Jay White explaining who he is, why he's here. And, uh, yeah, again, Jay White desperately needs to get some promo time in AEW because you put a microphone in that guy's hand and he always delivers. That's like, Jay's a fantastic wrestler. He's, like, my favorite wrestler working today. But um, he's something special when given a mic. So I, I hope he gets some more mic time in AEW because it's well-deserved. And that sent us into our main event, the uh, TNT Championship match. Sammy Guevara defends against Darby Allin. Uh, this is going on uh, the two-year anniversary of Sammy versus Darby at Revolution 2020 um, in that just absolutely super-fast-paced, short sprint of a match that they had. Um, crowd was so hot for this. The crowd for, I didn't mention this at all tonight, but the crowd was absolutely on fire. This back-to-back weeks for AEW where they just had phenomenal crowds um or maybe back to back to back chicago was also really good but uh there was the crowd was into everything on the show tonight so nashville definitely deserves some props but uh as expected this was uh 15 minutes of just pure pure greatness between these two uh darby and sammy have some excellent chemistry and that really cannot go uh unacknowledged these two in the ring just work so well together their styles match so well um and they were just going for everything here that you could want there was a big spanish fly um we had darby going for a suicide dive uh that sammy caught with a cutter that was crazy uh we had 
Guevara going for GTH, but then it got counted into the Last Supper for a, a big two fall. Um, and then eventually we had Jose come out here uh, for a distraction that Sting had to take care of. Uh, and then the ref got distracted, which allowed Andrade to come out. Uh, and he knocked out Darby with the tablet. And Guevara used this opportunity to hit go to hell. And that allowed him to retain the title. And then post-match, Matt Hardy ran down and attacked Darby Allen. Sammy tried to help out, but then Andrade took him out. And uh, then he took both of the TNT championships. So it does appear, because Darby got screwed out of this match here, that I'm assuming we're going to get a triple threat at Revolution, where it's going to be Darby, Sammy, and Andrade for the TNT championship. And that sounds insane. That sounds like such a good fucking match. Um... So I'm very excited for that. That sounds super promising. Um, so coming out of this show, it seems like we're really getting the, the Revolution card um, set up pretty well here. We have the Dog Collar match with CM Punk and MJF. We have the Face the Revolution ladder match so far. We have Keith Lee and Wardlow. Uh, we're most likely getting Danielson versus Moxley. Uh, I would assume this is where Thunder Rosa faces off against Britt Baker. Hangman Page... And Adam Cole seems to be a thing. We have the AEW World Tag Titles being defended in a three-way. And I think the indication here is that we're most likely getting Jurassic Express versus Red Dragon versus Young Bucks. Um, and then again, the, the three-way for the TNT Championship, it sounds like most likely will be Sammy, Darby, and Andrade. Um, so uh, uh, <laughs> the card's getting pretty stacked already. Um I think the question remains... Oh, and you'll probably get Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston. Um, but now that Santana and Ortiz are a team, do they somehow like sneak their way into the the, t the uh, tag title match and, and get a tag title shot? It's a possibility. Um, reports are that Miro's bat, like healthy and ready. He just needs creative, so Miro could factor somewhere into this card. We still have a ladder match to, to fill up. We only have two people. We'll have three people on Friday. Um, and then most likely a Joker in that match as well. So I'd assume we're going to have a surprise there. I mean, there's, <laughs> there might be a surprise in the Casino Battle Royal because the Casino Battle Royals typically have a Joker as well. Um, so for, for that match, we'll probably have a team that's... so that, <laughs> There's there's so much going on in AEW right now. It's insane and, and honestly is a bit overwhelming trying to keep uh, keep track of it all. But um, yeah, again, top, top to bottom, I, I said it on Twitter, but I think that this is in contention for one of the best episodes of AEW Dynamite that the company has ever put on. Um, nothing missed on this show. It just felt like everything was there for a purpose. Nothing like outstayed its welcome from the first moment of the show to the end. Kicking things off with Punk's promo, going to Danielson versus Moriarty, uh, getting the, the Danielson-Moxley segment, getting Keith Lee time. Uh, Wardlow got his big match in here and got into the ladder match. Uh, we had the, the Baker promo, which introduced John Kreese. Uh, we had a, a great segment between Hangman Page and Adam Cole, which saw the return of Red Dragon. Uh, a match that exceeded all my expectations with Jericho and Hager versus Santana and Ortiz. Uh, teasing the stuff between the Young Bucks and Red Dragon. The no DQ match with Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez. Uh, and then the main event. Everything just worked really well. Uh, so I, uh, I think it, it again, it, it has its place in like the history books for one of the best episodes, um, that they've had, that they've done so far. So I think that's going to pack it in for the review for AW Dynamite. So 
I want to thank anybody who's listening to this for joining me this week. And I do have confirmation from Joey that he will be returning for the podcast next week. So uh, next week it does appear that we will be back to normal with the Dynamite Reviews with me and Joey. And we'll probably also have Ryan. Um, So it'll be the three of us reviewing Dynamite next week. And as per normal, Ryan and Angel's Impact Power Hour is going to be happening this weekend. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that when it comes out on the podcast feed. Um, so thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe if you're not follow us over on Twitter at deep six wrestling and have a good rest of your week.